Praise God. Well, the last time I was, I preached, I, I re- preached on the, with the title, God Wrote a Book. And uh, uh, I'm just going to preach from that book. <laughs> All right? Amen. I'm going to preach from that book this morning. And the title of my message is, The Indisputable Goodness of God. The indisputable, the unquestionable, there is no arguments that can can, uh, you know, be made that have validity to it. Amen? And so I'm going to ask for the passage of Scripture that we're just going to read just a little bit. Now, for your homework, uh, I would like for you to, to read and think about and, and just absorb uh, Psalms 145 and Psalms 107. It's the whole Chapter and so therefore chapters, so we're not going to read them all this morning. But if you will just go to them, and uh, from those uh, foundational things, we will discover some truths this morning. But if Matt will give me uh, just these few verses, oh, that man would give thanks to the Lord for his for his goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. In this passage, this chapter, there is a, I think about seven different times God, you know, appeals. And so when God appeals to something, it means that there's not enough of it. Something is absent. There needs to be some recognition, he says. To recognize in what it is that God is good. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. Fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. And so fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly. He does not let their cattle decrease. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princesses and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet he sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Thank you for your word this morning, Lord. Help this vessel. In Jesus' name.
Though God's ways at times are wild, strange, at least to us, they're always good. Even with all its twists and turns, and the mystery of God's ways, even when it seems dark, there is always reason for hope. It was Paul who wrote in 1 Corinthians 13 and 12, he says, Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. What we see now is imperfect. We can't make or see it with clarity. But how can we understand and even redeem those periods of time and life of suffering that we all experience in our lives? As we face the harsh reality of this world that is broken, Sometimes it's bent on beating down even the most optimistic soul. When you read the headlines, they abound with problems, negative reports. It seems like it's full of tragedy. And yet, we look closer. It's filled with goodness. It's filled with goodness. God is not the creator of evil. God is not the one that has created suffering. Not at all. God said, it's good. Each day, each act, each creation, each plan, it was good. We know that suffering was introduced into the world. Consequences of the misuse of the freedom not the arbitrary will of God in order for God to have a world of love there must be an option not to See, love requires a freedom of choice. Otherwise, it's not love. It's not love. As God looks at the whole world, and we can't look at the whole world this morning, but God can. He is not a frustrated bystander. 
He's not wringing his hands this morning mournfully at the evil that is in the world. In ways that are mysteriously beyond human comprehension, God is working things out to the conformity of his will. When God started with good, one of the first things that the enemy sowed was doubt about God's goodness. About God's goodness. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and as he speaks to us, and he says that he's concerned about that, that it might be happening. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, I'm afraid, lest as the Spirit deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion of God. Why is it that People hold God accountable for Satan's work. There is a mystery in it all, but because God wrote a book, and in that book, here's what he said in Isaiah chapter 40, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or as his counselor has taught him. With whom did he take counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? To whom will you liken me? Or to whom shall I be equal? Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things Who brings out the hosts by number. He calls them all by name. By his greatness and his might, the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Did you know that we're living, all of us this morning, and participating in an undeserved extension of life? The wages of sin is death. We're living because of that goodness why does God permit and seemingly look like he doesn't intervene things happening and in our judgment we would do things different the scripture tells us it says that God is trying to give 
every man the maximum opportunity to repent. Second Peter chapter 3 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, but is, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. He's literally putting up with a lot. And there's a reason, because he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And Paul writes then in Romans, as there were those that were questioning his approach to it, and he says, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? He just holds it off. that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he's prepared beforehand for glory. Mm. It's the goodness of God, the book says, that leads men to repentance. The goodness of God. I mean, that's why, you know, God lets things, the evil, the disregard. Because God is hoping that somehow in his goodness there will be a change of heart. There will be a recognition. Whose report will you believe this morning? Will you believe the report of the Lord? That he is so good that he is not an absentee landlord. But he's intervened in this present world. Particularly with his people. God identifies with people in their suffering and their evil. Let's go to Jesus. You see, Jesus faced the same faith-shaking questions that you and I do. On the cross, as he's hanging there, in his face, they say, he trusts God. Let God deliver him. If he desires him to. But yet Isaiah says this. His visage was marred more than any man. He identifies us and has identified with us in the physical. The physical arena. He knows the extremity and the extremeness. His visage was marred more than any man. He is formed more than the sons of men. Fifty-three and seven says he was afflicted. He was 
yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as sheep before its shears. So he opened not his mouth. He is not a distant landlord. The emotional, he identified with us in Isaiah 53. He's despised and rejected. Man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He, dis- he was despised and we did not esteem him. And it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He was put to grief. He makes your soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. But God knows about firsthand and relates. When we face the psychological of things, says in Isaiah 53, also about his being rejected. And we hid, as it were, our face from him, and he was despised, and we did not esteem him. And then when we look at the cross, we see Lord Jesus knew loneliness and abandonment. So, folks, he has done something about evil. Let me show you. He's just done it different. He became the victim of the most evil there is on the cross in order to eliminate evil in the world. This is how God is doing it. In Jesus, evil and suffering are resolved. When he returns, both will be forever banished from this planet. A new heaven and a new earth will know no evil. All because of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 65 says, Behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. He has done something about evil and suffering. Oh, church. Because of that, he said, be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. It says in 19 that the voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. It says in the book of Revelations, chapter 21. And I saw a temple. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of the Lord illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. 
The nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring the glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. They shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles, causes an abomination or a lie, but only, of course, those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. James wrote this. Every good and perfect gift is from above and come down from the Father with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of, of turning. It was James, I believe, that talked about it's important that you don't doubt God's goodness in the midst of what seems to argue with God's goodness. Because when he says in that passage of Scripture, when he says, you know, let not a man think that he'll receive anything from the Lord if he doubts in his heart. The reference is, and the meaning is, that God is good. That God is good. Now, I believe that you believe that God is good. And so this is not a new subject for you, but who is supposed to be the promoters of God is good? Hallelujah. That's right. It's the believer. It's the child of God. We're the ones that are supposed to be the voice in the proclaimers that God is good. We're the ones that are supposed to tell it to our children. We're the ones that are supposed to talk about it in the worship centers. And we're the ones that are supposed to proclaim it in the streets. God has done something about evil and suffering. Thank you, Lord. God is not withholding anything that is truly good from his children. Psalms 84 and says, no good thing will he withhold from those who are walking with him. Charles Spurgeon wrote this. He says, when we can't trace God's hand, we must simply trust his heart. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. When we see tragedy, which is the result of sin, because death is not from God. It's a reminder that the world needs a Savior. The world needs 
a savior. I believe that we almost need a reformation regarding God's goodness. Instead of being amazed at all the evil that's in the world, we should be amazed at all the goodness that surrounds us sinners. Goodness that we're often blinded to. Bear with me, church, because this is the word of the Lord. Rather than ask God, how can he let so much evil evil happen? Ask God how he can let so much good happen to people who dishonor him, who disbelieve in him, who pay about as much attention to him as the carpet in their den. They reject the kingship of his son. They scorn his word. They prefer a hundred pleasures before him. And yet he keeps doing good. Oh, consider for a moment. There are mishaps and there are issues. But over 900 million planes land safely in the U.S. every year. Americans, farmers, provide over 10 billion bushels of corn every year. Almost 3 million bushels of soybean. They sell 10 billion worth of food to other nations. I'm not talking about Africa this morning. I'm talking about America. We live in the goodness of God. We miss the goodness because it's so common. It's so common. 300 million Americans drink water in homes and restaurants without getting sick. Not the case where Peggy and Mark is at. Every time you turn the spigot on, you drink the fresh waters. It's the goodness of God. There's been no plague that's swept across our country where a third of our race has been wiped out. And the seasons, they come and go. And they revolve so perfectly and so accurately that that Winter arrives, you know, at a specific time, which, by the way, I didn't know, but they tell me it's at 5.12 a.m. December 21st, and it heads back into spring. (laughs) So accurately, so purposefully, the goodness of God. Let me read you something. Romans chapter 2, it reads like this. Do you despise the riches of his goodness? God, how come? Why aren't you? What do they deserve, God? And so here's what he says. He says, 
You despise the riches of, riches of his goodness, the forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. How many know that Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly? And that he became the judgment of God. Church, it would be different if Jesus hadn't taken the judgment of God. He has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And that includes us who have received redemption and those who have not yet received redemption. He will see the suffering of his soul and he is pleased with it. In other words, he's satisfied with what Jesus did. And so he's still extending why he told in Matthew 28 go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he says there's a message get it out there let them know God is good the devil comes along and says throws a doubt in God is God is good. Philip's translation reads it like this. Now, if you are inclined to set yourself up as a judge of those who sin, let me assure you, who are you that you are in? Let me assure you, Let me get it here. Whoever you are, that you are in no position to do so or to judge. What makes you think that you, who so readily judge the sins of others, can consider yourself beyond the judgment of God? Oh... Without the blood, you're dirty. Yeah. Are you perhaps misunderstanding God's generosity and patience and mercy as weakness on his part? Don't you know that God's kindness is meant to lead to repentance? I want to tell you a couple stories because I got to hurry here. One is from the book and one has actually happened in life. Remember the story of, of the workers in the vineyard? And how that the master went out and hired them. And somebody started at the beginning of the day and finally in just the last hour. And of course, when time for their pay came in, he started with the last ones hired to the first ones hired. So uh, 
By the time he got to the, the last ones hired, there was some real grumbling going on, complaining. Downright testy, if you know people. We got shortchanged. It's a bum deal. You've got to understand the heart of God. The master said this. Well, wait a minute. This is what we agreed to. And here's what he says. Do you begrudge me because it's my desire to be generous? College classroom. This has actually happened. College professor takes a few moments to review the subject matters, and as he did, they, he, the students noticed that there were things in the review that they just really couldn't remember. But yet, here it was, it was test time. And as that time for the test came, they turned. It opened to the test page, and there, every answer on the test was filled in. And their names were written on the exam. And on the bottom of the page was a note from the professor. And it said, all answers on the test are correct. You will receive an A on the final exam. The reason you passed the test is because the creator of the test took it for you. All the work you did in preparation for the test did not help you get an A. Somebody give a heart of praise. Let me tell you. You're going to get an A. All because the Creator took the test for you. Do you understand that? He was tempted in all points without sin. He's went ahead and transferred his righteousness into righteousness in our account. God is is good. Amen. God is God is good. It's important that we capture the unchanging permeating truth is that God is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. For the Lord is good. We can get so caught up in wanting to feel proof of his love that we lose the wonder that he loves us at all. His love. 
build trust in God's goodness. He does it in so many ways, and natural blessings, kind intervention. Let me tell you another story, because time is getting away from us. John Gilbert, you don't know him, I don't know him, but I read the story about him. He only lived to the age of 25 because of muscular dystrophy. Talking about God's goodness. John was invited to the National Football League fundraising auction. There was a particular basketball at this auction that was signed by one of the players of the Sacramento Kings. And John so wanted that ball that he felt like raising his hand to bid. Except, number one, he didn't have the funds. Number two, his mother was holding his hand down so he wouldn't bid. (laughs) And as the bidding continued, it rose to an astounding amount of money. The winning bidder walked to the front and claimed the basketball. But instead of going back to his seat... He walks across the room and he gently placed into those small hands of that boy. He would never dribble that basketball down a court. He would never throw it to a teammate. But he would cherish it as long as he lived. God is the highest bidder. And he's looking for the John Gilberts who will cherish his goodness. Sometimes God's goodness doesn't make sense to us. Why would you give something so valuable to someone that can never really utilize it? All because they will cherish it. They value it. They value it. The goodness of As the musicians come this morning, Israel was the poster child for forgetting God's goodness. God was only as good as the next miracle. They ranted and said, we want to go back into slavery. And so God, in order to help them remember his goodness, he had them build some stone piles to remind them 
is good. God's goodness does not rise and fall in him giving us everything that we want when we want it. God is good. God is good. It's time to start grabbing stones and start making piles in our lives that God is Good. God is good. David said this. As he envisioned this God, he recognized that God wasn't someone that sat off in a distance and just decreed good. He was a God that he saw, you know what I mean? That, that came down and became personal in his goodness. Personal in his goodness. You see, our moods shift, but God's doesn't. Our minds change, but God's doesn't. Our devotion may falter, but God's never does. Even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Hallelujah. When you're having your bad day and you can't talk about God, you know, his goodness, God is still talking about being good. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. He's talking about being good. He can't help but be good. Because it's his character. It's who he is. Yes, David said this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he said that surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. If you want to know where God is coming from. It's goodness and mercy. If you want to know where the enemy is coming from. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy There would be no life if it wasn't for God and Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Yes. God is mobile and God is active. God follows us. God pursues us. God chases us. God tracks us down. Endeavoring to win us over. He wants to win you over. He wants you to be able to say from the depth of your heart, God is good all the time. 
Amen. Stand with me this morning. God is good all the time. Now, Paul writes this and he says, what shall separate us from the love of God? So tribulations, so pestilence, so issues in life. You know what it says? God says, I'm not going to let any of them get in my way from loving you. Not a fit one of them is going to get in my way of loving you. Now, it might get in your way of loving God, but it's not going to get in the way of God loving you. Somebody give the Lord a praise this morning. Hallelujah. What does your future look like? What is the hope of your tomorrow? Goodness and mercy. Hallelujah. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're just going to finally, he's going to rest it all out. Praise the Lord. Yes, God has done something about suffering. He has done something about evil. He has done something about sin. And he did it in Jesus Christ. And that is God's final amen this morning, church. And we are the official keepers of these truths and these wonders that God has done for us. Amen. Here's what the psalmist said. Let me read it. It's too good to pass up. Psalms 131 says this, I do not occupy myself with the things too great for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. I've got grandkids, and you do too. Many of you have got grandkids. They're not on the, the breast and milk anymore. But I watch them. I watch them climb up in to the lap of that mother. Hallelujah. And no matter the hurt or what has happened, and just, you know, at that young age, they're emotionally, everything is traumatic. But they can climb up into the lap of that mother, and all of a sudden, the fears dissipate. You know, the anxiety goes away. The tears stop, stop falling from their eyes, all because they go ahead and say, I'm not going to, you know, alarm myself with the things that I don't understand. But I know that I'm safe in the arms of my mother. Hallelujah. And we're safe in the arms of the Almighty God. Praise the Lord, because Jesus himself said, there is nothing that can pluck you out of my hand. Glory to God. Amen. God is good. And you need to start saying it. And you'll see the dynamics of goodness begin to run you over for the blessing of the Lord will overtake you. Amen. And you'll be astounded at his goodness if you just stop doubting that God is good. I want you to I want to challenge your perspective this morning. Don't make your problems your highest reality. Make God's word that he is good your highest reality. And when circumstances argue even with the truth, God 
is good. And he's chasing people with his goodness. He's not getting rid of them because they're such terrible sinners and they're doing such terrible things because he says, I want to get their heart to turn. And the devil is trying to wipe them off the scene before they get that opportunity. Amen. The church. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors. We're ambassadors of a kingdom. We're ambassadors of a message. We're ambassadors of hope. You know what I mean? You know, and, and, and if you try to go around and, and try to answer everybody's questions, they try to get you, you know, you, you're just not going to get any place. Hell. My mom, she had them come to her, but she would always just start, well, God is good. Hallelujah. God is good. Everybody say it. Amen. God is good. Father, we thank you this morning that you have entrusted us with the message with regarding your goodness, Heavenly Father. And we have experienced your goodness. And so let us tell even more boldly and frankly that you have dealt with sin and suffering. It's just you're waiting for men to repent. Thank you for it. Bless the people in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.